Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Miss Kindness. She is an educator, a coach, an author, entrepreneur. We're going to talk to her a little bit about the amazing work she's doing in, in multiple areas. We've got a new book that she wants to talk about. We're going to talk about that. Um, some interesting events, things that she's been uh, going through in parts of the cannabis community that she's working with, some really interesting stories. Uh, and generally, just kind of talking about what's going on in the cannabis space and what do we need to do to really create uh, this industry to be uh, an inclusive, thriving, socially good opportunity for the, really for the world, but for society and and the work uh, that we're all doing. So I'm excited for the conversation. I'm excited about um, uh, the story and the work that she's doing. So with that, Ms. Kynes, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about background first, just to kind of understand the story and you know how you got into the cannabis space, how you started doing the work that you're doing, and then we can dig into some of the the many things that you've got going on right now, and uh, <laughs> hear some of the more um, uh, interesting work that you're doing. Uh, what's the backstory? How did give us a sense of how you got into this? Yeah, I mean, I always kind of let people know first and foremost, I'm a teacher. That's kind of that's who I am. I think from childhood, and then it's what I was formally trained to do via education. 
Um, I used to be a high school math teacher, actually. I taught pre-calculus and geometry. And then in 2012, I had a really bad slip and fall during my second pregnancy. And it caused a condition uh, in my pelvis called symphysis pubis dysfunction. I I always tell people, you know, I was looking for these natural remedies because all doctors could offer me were opioids at 26 weeks pregnant, which is mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. So we were really into natural remedies. We practiced holistic medicine. We owned a juice bar at the time. It was, I just went and said to Google, you know, natural remedies for chronic pain. And cannabis was like three pages. I joke and say, Siri told me to smoke weed, you know, (laughs) (laughs) she didn't actually say that, but (laughs) But I was surprised, you know, I grew up very conservative. I'm still fairly conservative on a lot of issues, not full 180 when it comes to cannabis, but, you know, daughter of an officer, veteran, and just really didn't know the medicinal qualities of cannabis. I had smoked it in college and just thought it was something you did to get high and relax, right? Lo and behold, it's this ancient medicine. And so as I'm going down this rabbit hole, just researching for my own personal physical healing, Um, I recognized and I realized, oh, my God, we've been lied to. There's this history. There's these social justice ties. And, oh, my God, that's what happened to my brother. Mm. And so it became very personal for me. You know, fast forward, I tried some new moon to full moon tinctures and literally cured my condition. And doctors were like, what are you doing? And when I told my primary care. Yeah, what did they say? So this is where I'm very fortunate. I have such a progressive doctor. She said to me, what are you doing? Why are you not taking your prescriptions? I said, I'm using cannabis. And she said, oh my God, I think that's wonderful, but I can't put that in your file. Yeah. So this is the moment I realized, wow, there's this whole, there's this component of the law, right? Why, when I tested positive earlier in my pregnancy, I had to deal with social justice. I had to deal with, I'm sorry, social services. Really? Um, yeah. And having to really advocate for myself. Now I, am, I had privilege, right? I was able to like call an attorney and say, can they do this to me? I had means. I had a doctor who was progressive and said to me, here's how I'm going to protect you. I'm not going to put that in your file. Yeah. But I recognize how many women don't have that privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just Club Kindness was born. And that was, we just passed our five-year anniversary on August 8th. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so tell us about Club Kindness. Tell us about, you know, how do you go from realizing that change needs to be made, realizing that, you know, the kind of the industry and the system is really not set up clearly to serve women, clearly to serve people of color. Like what's the, mm-hmm. what are the actions? What was your path? How did you make decisions on where you, where you're really going to apply yourself? You know, for me, it came down to what skills do I have and where can I apply them? And I'm a teacher, mm-hmm. like I said. So Club Kindness is a teaching organization. We're member-sustained, nonprofit. We basically work directly with consumers, teaching them how to use the plant. Mm-hmm. And then we've partnered with other, what we call friendly healthcare professionals, right? Mm-hmm. And these are everything from nutritionists, nurses, doctors, oncologists, mental health professionals, who will talk with our members about how they practice what we call inclusive cannabis-inclusive wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happened was it was just like this teacher brain went on and I thought, oh, I can do these sort of workshops. I can teach women what I've just learned. I know how to teach. I know pedagogy. I'm good at it. So let me just get in front of these people and they'll trust me. And really that's, I don't, we even want to come off as like arrogant or sound like, oh, everybody just trust me. But if you're a teacher, you kind of know teaching is yeah. a personality style, right? Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy it. My students vibe well with me. And so I just started going into friends' houses and throwing like these little quote unquote Tupperware parties that we now call kind socials, which are a very formal event that we either do now everything's in the internet, but (laughs) 
we would do them in home and we would come and do like a basic one-on-one and introduce them to products and explain, you know, what it means to be in a regulated market and how the laws are changing. And, and from there it just grew, it became this membership base and people started wanting additional consultations and more information. And so we built a library and we started, you know, really having like a membership sustained organization where people were coming back for more and more. Yeah. I'm curious, as you started to interact with folks and and doing these events, how much of this, or or what were the issues that came up or the questions that people had? Was it primarily around kind of technical questions around the product? Was it more issues of kind of social stigma? Was it, Mm -hmm. where were the bulk of the questions and were there any that kind of surprised you or anything that you didn't anticipate getting getting into doing this work? Yeah, you know, I want to say this up front. Nothing really surprises me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) This is America. (laughs) But I will say the questions run the gamut. So in the 101, we start with, you know, we do this whole mental, like the spiritual body and physical applications of cannabis Mm -hmm. and how it can help in all these areas. And so we do touch on social justice because I have to touch on the history because in the room, typically there are multi-generations. I've had several kinds of socials where it's mom, you know, 19 year old son and grandma, and then a couple of aunts. And so there's a lot of history in that room and there's a lot of perception in that room. I'm sure. So I often just go with, you know, the basic facts. We have a whole curriculum we follow where we have cards that everyone gets to read a fact and then we go into describing it in more detail. But questions range from, can CBD get me high? To, is this the same stuff I smoked in the 60s? To, stories about an edible party? (laughs) To, can we talk more in depth about cannabinoid science? And let's really talk about terpenes and linalone. And that's a more mature group, right? Yeah. That's a group that really has known about cannabis and now they want to have this sort of fun party, invite their friends over and learn more. So we'll customize those events. We've had, I don't know, we've had dab bars, musicians, massage therapists, I mean, the whole yeah. gamut, but they always include this sort of 30, 40, 40 minute 101 course. Interesting. And what's your measure of success for these events? I mean, what's the impact you're looking to have or, or what feedback do you get or data do you get back that tells you, you know, you're, you're doing the, the work that you yeah. want to do? Absolutely. Well, one is the sustained membership. So since we started, we've grown to over 200 members and we have about a 60% retention rate beyond six months. And so people stay for a really long time because the fee is, it's not really impactful. It's eight or $18. But in that, I'll tell you that what happens in the shorter membership, they're looking to cure something or fix something. Yeah. So we have them, we, we have the regular check-ins. We keep that data. We have an app where they can kind of log like how they're feeling, what they're taking. And that sort of fits out this report that says, here's what you should be doing. And here's where you had more pain this month. And we get all of that data. And then we talk with our clients. There's me and there's two other consultants now. And we talk with them very regularly. So we're always doing these sort of summative and formal assessments. I'm talking like a teacher now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, how are they feeling? And we have very successful cases. One that I'll actually just throw in right now. My mother, she 25 years ago had three brain tumors on her brain stem and underwent surgery at the time, along with radiation therapy, proton therapy, which shrank one of the tumors. It never actually got rid of it. So fast forward to 25 years later, last year she was diagnosed with that one paraganglioma had returned and increased in size. Now non-operable, non-cancer, she's 76 years old. She called me and she said, I want to use cannabis. I'll do whatever you tell me. Wow. And I just got emotional. (laughs) Yeah, I don't blame. I get emotional. (laughs) This is 
for me, I feel like this is exactly why I fell down in 2012, yeah. and it was yeah. to save my mother. So one very successful story from Club Kindness and the services that we can provide are that we were able to reach out to our friends at Canna Kids who were doing a study providing medication for free on this type of tumor and others like it, because we know Sophie has an optical gang- uh, glioma. And we were able to get UCLA research to go into this. They're doing a study testing immune response using cannabinoids. Again, all of her medication for free through this. And Club Kindness facilitated the charting and her check-ins with nurses and doctors. And I am so thrilled to say that four months, five months later, her MRI results showed zero lesions with no need for any follow-up care or continued treatment. That's amazing. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And so, I mean, with Club Kindness, I've, we've had patients say, oh, or members say, you know, oh, um, my migraines are gone. You know, everything. Mm-hmm. I've lost weight. I worked with a nutritionist and I started cooking with CBD. I mean, we really get the gamut because we put ourselves out there for that. If we don't yeah. currently have it in our network, we will find it and we will connect you. Yeah. You know, I'm always fascinated by cannabis because it, it is, it has kind of so many potential applications. Mm-hmm. I think one of the challenges from you know, kind of a consumer point of view or from a public point of view, you know, people that are interested in getting involved in cannabis, using cannabis in different ways, there's a bit of a navigation that you have to do to figure Absolutely. out, A, like, okay, well, what is the impact that I want or what are the results I want? And then kind of navigating all the different products Absolutely. and the things. Like, yeah. how do you approach this <laughs> from an education point of view? Because it seems, honestly, it seems quite daunting <laughs> to figure it out how to, I mean, how to well, educate you, people. <laughs> it really is. I mean, you call, first you call Club Kindness if you are the consumer and you are feeling those things. Um, mm-hmm. But what we do essentially is an intake process. And it addresses all of those, many of what you said, really. Like, what is your goal? Like, what sort of issues are you dealing with? What is your end goal? What are you looking to achieve from this? Budget, right? Um, What's your experience with cannabis? All these things we take into consideration when we go into a consultation. And then we really look at, like, this is where, this is the starting place. And it's always low and slow. It's always there. It's always with some sort of full-spectrum CBD product. And then we go down the THC path and other cannabinoid paths depending on the challenges. And sometimes that means we bring in more specialized nurses for those, but um, really low and slow. And we have a treatment plan we give them with suggestions about how to integrate it into their lives. Here are some things you can do. Here's when you should probably be taking it, Mm -hmm. um, dosing, what things to look for. So side effects or symptoms or that you may feel. Uh, you know, what to do if you get too high, all those yep. kinds of things we provide. Yeah. Because, yes, I mean, it's it's necessary. and But succinctly, low and slow is the answer. And I always, always say you should be eating your weed and you should be taking a full spectrum CBD every day. Yeah. And why those two base recommendations? I'm curious. Well, we should be metabolizing cannabis. So the least healthy way to consume cannabis is via hot smoke. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I always say the word consume. I say eat. I'd be specific in the application uh-huh. because... Naturally, what people think when you say weed or you say cannabis or you say marijuana, yeah. they go right to smoking it. Yeah. And that's the least healthy way to consume it. And it's the least suggestion I give. I give it for very specific applications. Like we're talking about nausea, immediate onset, a yeah. spiritual practice, a sort of peace pipe circle sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But you should be eating it because you should be metabolizing it. We have an endocannabinoid system with receptors that communicate directly with the phytocannabinoids in the plant. Mm-hmm. And the best way for our body to really process that is, is via, you know, eating it and metabolizing it. Oh. And then I say full spectrum CBD because you're getting all the cannabinoids in that. You have less than 0.3% THC. So you have no intoxication with that. 
Mm-hmm. But you're getting all those wonderful cannabinoids that your body needs as sort of like a supplement every day. And the FDA would hate that I just used the word supplement. So I said like <laughs> a supplement. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Similar to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, let, let's talk about that briefly because I think, you know, that that is certainly one of the, you know, challenges we have as an industry, which is not only are we, you know, federally illegal on the THC side, but even on the CBD side, we're in this kind of unspecified or undeclared or un, un kind of regulated uh, component of this. You know, the FDA is, you know, waiting for things to be written, clarifications to be made. They but only the, want GW Pharmaceuticals to make all the money. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah. So, so let's talk about like how, how is this whole regulatory thing kind of impacting how the industry is developing? You know, what what's how is it impacting things from your point of view? What's working? What's not working? What do we need to do to really make this system work for, you know, the benefit of as many people as possible? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw a big boom after this farm bill, right, in 2018, where it passed and it said, and in there it inadvertently legalized hemp, right, said that we're Mm going to reschedule hemp. And so it sent this this floodgates running for CBD because now we already had industrial hemp and now I can take CBD from it. It's perfectly legal because I got it from hemp. And then recently you might have seen that the DEA said, well, you know, technically in that extraction process, there is a moment where there is more than 0.3% THC, so it's not legal. So everybody's like calling their lawyers, what can we do? (laughs) (laughs) I feel I feel like this. I'm a craft brand, right? I have that advantage right now. But I'm a craft brand who is in the black, thank God. So I look to the big guys to kind of take the big hits. You know, the FDA <laughs> has said that cannabidiol is federally legal if processed by this particular group, right? This organization. Uh-huh. And I think like we've seen big companies get hurt via making false claims, right? Overextending the claims, right? How I just said, I didn't say it's a supplement. I said it's like a supplement. We just have to stay on top of it. I mean, I am, I got to tell you, like my Google alerts are, they go crazy all day with like what's new in this world because they yeah. just want to make sure. And, and if you have the advantage and you're at a place in your business where you can't afford to have like a good attorney either on retainer or one that you can afford to call and ask questions to that is highly advised it's just always changing it's always changing i mean i we keep everything we keep our labs we work with industrial hemp farmers you know yeah Yeah, it's part of the complexity of, of you know doing business in the space and it's um you know unfortunately you you have to have a, a solid stomach <laughs> to be able to <laughs> kind of tolerate the ups and downs because it's just going to happen. I mean, and there's there's no way around it. And there's no and way around it. And we're, gonna... you, most of us who are here and we're here to stay because we're fully committed to it for some reason that's probably passion driven or personal story driven. And if you're making really good money, then obviously you're going to stay, right? So uh-huh. I think for me, club kindness is my passion outlet. We, you know, it sustains itself. It's a nonprofit. And mm-hmm. then, you know, EBK, our CBD line, really, we created that because we kept telling people at Club Kindness, like, oh, here are all the responsible brands. Here are who you can trust. And here's why. In the beginning, I was having a really hard time finding those brands. It was very confusing. <laughs> that list was very short. <laughs> yes. So that's how then Elixirs by Kindness, now we've become EBK Apothecary, was born. Yeah. Because I said, I'm going to make a product that I know the source. I know the farmers. I've spent enough time in the space to have navigated and develop those relationships and now we can bring a quality product to market. So yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I'm curious if you you know, coming from the education space, what were the things you had to kind of I guess what were the things you know you had to learn? What were the things you didn't realize you had to learn that you did have to learn, you know, and kind of getting involved in the actual product side and, and creating the um, creating the product. Yeah, I mean manufacturing. So we've since we've gone from like doing these whole in-house 
you know, trials and then going through regulation and then outsourcing now to a GMP manufacturer, right? Our formulas. Mm-hmm. So that whole process, like starting in your kitchen, learning formulations, who do I call? Like, what's the, what should I be paying for this? Really business infrastructure. You know, I have a master's in education. I do not have an MBA. Yeah. So I know how to teach. I'm smart enough to read and discern and learn things, but I had to learn how to really be a CEO in this process. And that mm-hmm. is learning that you can't do every job, but you do have to know how to talk about all of the pieces of your company with those people who do those jobs really well. Yeah. And those, those intelligent conversations, right? Oh. So definitely that was a, a big, big growth, I don't know, curve for me, I guess. I, mm-hmm. I took it on. I faced it. I wanted it. I think an entrepreneurship was kind of in my blood. I joke and I say when I left the classroom, really it was because I, I was in so much pain. But deep down inside, those bells were driving me crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hated like, okay, it's been 55 minutes. Uh, you know, yeah, now you can go to the up. bathroom. Yeah. So uh, I was meant to be my own boss. Yeah, but I had yeah. to learn how to really be in a I mean, a profitable and effective CEO and and hiring and engaging those relationships and when the relationship's not going to work out and how to have those difficult conversations. And and I'm still learning that. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I have have a joke when it comes to entrepreneurship. It's like, yes, being an entrepreneur means that you become your own boss. And for some people, that's a downgrade. (laughs) Yes. Yes, totally. At first, you're like, what am I doing? And I gained a bunch of weight in the beginning because I was like staying up late at drinking Uh wine and like smoking a joint, like typing till three, four in the morning, all this content. Can't do that. You got to get on the schedule. You know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, No, it is. It takes a lot of discipline. So yeah, I applaud you for that. Let's talk a little bit about the book. So a new book coming out. Tell us about it. Uh, What was the What was the story on that? And and uh, what are you hoping to achieve? Yes, I'm so excited about A Very Special Garden. That's the name of it. It is The Root Family Shares A Very Special Garden. It is loosely based on my family. So I am a mom. I have two children. I am a teacher. I am a wife. These are all things that I do very traditionally that I love doing. We grow a garden. We grow fruit and vegetables. And we also grow cannabis. So it's very much a part of our normal lifestyle. My eight and my 10-year-olds know about cannabinoid science. They take CBD. They'll tell you about it. And I thought, what more ingenious way to really want to expand the brand, right? Who is Miss Kindness? She is an educator. She's really excited about cannabis. I want the whole world to be taking it every single day. I feel like we get along a lot better. I think the president needs a high, high dose. Oh, yeah, I don't know if we can give enough, but yeah. <laughs> we, do, we need to put it through the vents of the White House. So um, I just think like, what a great way to reach people. And it's something that the entire family can enjoy. I'll say in the book, you're following the experience of the Root family. Uh-huh. It's a it's a brown family, right? Black mom, my husband's Latino. So you see that, you see our children, you see this very normal process of a family in the kitchen together and making food and also pressing out cannabis leaves. Yeah. So there's no smoking in the book. We really, it's educational. There's a glossary yeah. in the end that addresses words like terpenes and cannabinoids and even companion plants. It's just really cool. I um, I plan to do an addendum that has how to talk to your kids about cannabis. It'll come a little later. And uh, we'll see how the Root family evolves. I have some ideas for the son, Michael, in book two, mm-hmm. where he may interface with law enforcement. Because there's some very real issues that I want to yeah. present. But in a way that's playful, colorful, easy to understand. And honestly, every age group so far on the book that it's tested, they love it. Grandma loves it. It's easy to digest. It's, yeah. I don't introduce any crazy lead stories. No, it's a a great, it's a great one. I love it. And I think it's, I think it's a whole area that 
is not very well addressed by the cannabis community, I would say, mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. how do we, how do we think of it, you know, from a family point of view? How do we think it from, obviously, you know, our, our children, you know, how do we expose them, you know, appropriately at the right ages? How do we give them, mm-hmm. you know, not only the kind of the, the science aspect, but, but the whole history aspect and the, and, you know, because cannabis is, you know, so much more than, than just the plant itself, but the social context and the social history. And I mean, how, I mean, I guess, was this an easy book to write as was there yeah. complications as you came up? I'm curious as you, you really got into this. Right. It literally just flowed out of me. I, I don't know how it happened. And book two is almost done. So it's just wow. flowing out of me because I feel like it's what parents need to hear. You know, you said something like, how do we engage in those conversations? How do we start them. First and foremost, I think it starts with the parents and they they have to release their own shame. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, I feel shameful. I hide in the bathroom smoking from my kid because I feel like it's something my kid shouldn't know because I feel shame about it. So we have to remove that. That yeah. comes with education, right? Really understanding that I accept that what I'm doing is for my own personal healing. Mm-hmm. And I accept that maybe I choose to do it via hot smoke, but I know that that's not good for my son's developing brain. Mm-hmm. So when I teach, I meet the students where they are, right? You first check a baseline. Where are you? What do you know? Okay. Now I'm going to meet you there and bring you forward. Mm-hmm. So children, if you tell them, listen, the same way you can't go in the cabinet and just take this Tylenol bottle, yeah. you can't smoke this. What is that? Oh, it's cannabis. Well, what does mommy use it for? Oh, she uses it to relax her mind. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, great. This is the end of the conversation with a six-year-old, yeah. you know? <laughs> so really, I think we have to first get over our own shame as parents and accept that we're doing this for our own wellness and then just talk about it in a very matter-of-fact way with our children, yeah. the same way we do alcohol and Tylenol and mm-hmm. too much sugar. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. That's probably that's a probably harder conversation is why we right? shouldn't have high fructose corn syrup in our yeah. in our food. But thank you uh, for saying that. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I have four children, so I've I've had these conversations at various levels. I haven't had the conversation with my two year old yet, but uh, yet. it will yeah, it will come. Yet, yeah. It will come. Uh, <laughs> when they say, "Can I have that gummy?" You say, "No, you cannot have that gummy." But you can have this <laughs> these gummy. are these are daddy's yes. gummies. These yes. are your gummies. Let's just leave it at that for now. Uh, interesting. As you look at kind of the broader cannabis industry, uh, you know, um, you have your focus. You you know clearly know where you want to create impact. Where do you see kind of the broader cannabis industry in terms of the things that we really need to kind of be supporting or focusing on or making a priority in the industry to really make all of this work? I mean, I you know I highly encourage everyone to you know stay focused on the things they need to where they can have the most impact. But you know as you look broader, what do you see are the bigger kind of issues that we need to address? Yeah, sure. Um, that part definitely stay where you can have the most impact. Like I said, I use skills I already had. I was a mm-hmm. teacher. But I see that long term, what we really need to be looking at, one, obviously legalization. I'm passionate about decriminalization first, because I think if we do that first, then we can work on some system within each state to sort of house or programs, workforce development, as we release people from prison for these ridiculous cannabis-related crimes, right? We need to move them into licensed industry jobs, and there should be a priority given to these. So I'd like to see that programming happen at the state level, and I think that happens better if we decriminalize federally first. Mm -hmm. And then that allows the states a chance to really set up systems. And we go back and say, okay, now you can legalize and here's how you do it because we've done a really good job. That's something I think we need to be working on also in a local level. So I teach community college for LA Community College District. I'm working currently with LA Southwest on a workforce development program. Mm -hmm. So much like we're taking students in non-credit through construction and they're going into jobs at LAX, we should really be doing that same thing nationwide. We need to get ahead of this, right? It's here. It's not going away. We're post-prohibition. All of these jobs, this this industry could literally rebuild our economy after this mess. So if we do it right. Mm -hmm. 
And so with that, succinctly, I'd say workforce, workforce, workforce development, really getting people educated about cannabis, the business side of it, getting them into jobs that can fuel an economy. I mean, there's yeah. just so many directions we can go. Green, hemp, sustainability, I mean, product development, education, consulting, anything you do, any ancillary service you do applies to cannabis. I mean, we need yeah. great accountants, we need good attorneys, we need really good attorneys. <laughs> yeah. Attorneys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, hey, yeah. Do you see, are there any programs, any states, uh, you know, municipalities that you feel are doing a particularly good job? Because I, I, I think that, you know, there's various efforts, but I know yeah. some of them have fallen a little short. I think some are doing better than others. What have you seen in terms of things that you see really working right now? I mean, there's a lot of talk about Illinois. Um, yeah. I think they're really trying to do social equity right. We are learning in the state of California with every single local municipality. We In Pomona, we did a lot of work here over the last two years. I did with my counterpart, Miranda Sheffield. Shout out to Miranda. She is running for city council right now in Pomona. So when this comes out, she'll be in the thick of it. I'm excited about that. Awesome. But we were able to get really a progressive social equity program just by hounding the mayors and the city council members doors and like being at every meeting and making sure that they were progressive in their thought and better than what LA had done because of the failures in LA. Yeah. Um, so I will give that shout out to Pomona. And what, also what, is that, what does that look like? I mean, I, what does it have in it from your point of view that makes it progressive, that makes it working? So they waive all fees for social equity licenses. And, uh, and that means uh, applicants, I'll say. And that is coming from within the city, those mm -hmm. coming from the most impacted parts of the city because the city of Pomona has several zip codes in it. Yeah. Um, and those who had been impacted by the war on drugs via some yeah. offense or crime or whatever record. We also had a workforce requirement in there, a suggestion that was in there at 30% that became a requirement, not just an attempt to hire from within the city. Mm -hmm. A limitation on licenses as years went on. So it's each one, you know, percentage had to be social equity. Those things were, and listen, Pomona is small in comparison to LA. They did eight yeah. licenses. So it's a much easier program to manage. But mm -hmm. it's also something that's scalable. So you put in things like percentages, then that's a scalable thing, yeah. right? Now we're not talking about a flat number here. Yeah. So that to me is really progressive. When you say we're always going to commit to these percentages and we're going to waive these fees, that's very progressive. We didn't, they didn't even do that in LA. Yeah. No, I know. They, I know they had lots of problems in LA. Mm -hmm. Continue to have so. Interesting. And where, what's, uh, what's on the horizon for you? So you've got uh, the book Book is coming out. You've got uh, Club Kindness is, is going along. What else is uh, kind of on your horizon in terms of things you want to be doing or areas that you want to get active in? Yeah, you know, I'll just be out here pushing Club Kindness, really. I just want to make sure everybody's educated. Right now, we're really focused on expungement. So we're supporting, mm -hmm. this book is actually a portion of the proceeds on every book from A Very Special Garden Sold goes to the Social Impact Center. So definitely want to put that out there. If you buy a book, you're also helping marginalized communities. And mm -hmm. they have partnered with National Expungement Week, which is September 21st through the 26th. Club Kindness is a full outreach partner on that. We'll be volunteering and we'll be helping. And, and that's really our mission through the end of this year. It's getting people registered to vote and getting records expunged and doing yeah. that work through Club Kindness. And the book, the tour is coming. You, If you follow me, you'll see, like, I'm here, I'm there. I'm talking about the book as much as I can. I want every single house to have this in it. I don't care if you have a two-year-old or a 17-year-old. You need this book, A Very Special Garden. I love it. I love it. If people want to find out more about you, about the book, what's the best way to get that information? It's easy if you just go to MsKindness.com, and that's M-S-K-I-N-D-N-E-S-S. -S, and everything... From there, links, the book, Club Kindness, EBK, Apothecary, you can find everything you need to know there. Amazing. I'll make sure that the link is in the show notes so people can click through and get this. Ms. Kindness, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. Oh, I appreciate it so much, Bruce. Thank you. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. 
To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.